0: Since the dawn of time, there have been numerous questions that have burdened the minds of philosophers, scholars, skeptics, and more. Why are we here? Where did we come from? What happens when we die? And of course, is Die Hard a Christmas movie? Join us on this episode of Scriptor Screen as we sit down and answer definitively one of the truly great enigmas of our time. Good evening, good morning, and good afternoon. Actually, what is the line from um, The Truman Show? It's... Good morning.
1: In case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night.
0: There you go, ladies and gentlemen. That came from our resident co-host, Zach Strachman. I am your other co-host, Christopher Kitchen. Welcome to Scriptor Screen for its first ever and beginning annual uh, Zach's birthday Christmas special episode... Thank you. Woo. We've we've. It's been a long ride. Uh, it we've mentioned the birthday. Uh, this episode, every episode up until this point, we made uh, it. We made, we made it. it. It's here. Zach's birthday's here. Zach, how Hello. does it feel?
1: Oh, it, it's it's a bit itchy, but it's the thought that counts.
0: It is it a bit itchy. <laughs> is it? Did you like not remove nice... the stick? <laughs>
1: like. Like a nice sweater you get for the holidays.
0: Actually, I don't know about you. Actually, well, you're into dog fashion, so to speak. I got dog uh fashion. my dog, my my lovely little boy Iggy. I don't know if we've mentioned our dogs on the podcast we, before. We we're
1: we're we're a couple of dog people.
0: We are. Um I I adopted uh I rehome adopted yeah, I feel like there's a line between those two words, but um I brought into my home uh my lovely son Ignatius Pigward, uh, Iggy, Iggy Piggy, we call him, um, this lovely little boy, he's a little French bulldog, he's super cute, super loving, uh, great playmate to your dog, uh, Rosie, Zach.
1: Yes, uh, the golden girl herself, golden retriever, uh, Rosie.
0: Yeah, we, we actually got Iggy uh, his first uh, holiday sweater this uh, oh, nice. this year, we got him a, a couple of options and boy does he love him and is he cozy.
1: That's good, you know. He's he's got really short fur, so like uh, yeah, he's little, really just he's a little skinny skin, you know, uh, burrito boy. So he needs some extra some extra warmth in these colder seasons. We live in Florida; it's down to like the fifties today, but that's winter. I, um,
0: yeah, yeah, I, I would say so myself. <laughs> Actually, the other night, so a week ago, I was in Orlando uh, working. I think it got as low as like 40, maybe 35 wow. at night. And I was I was pretty excited. We busted out the fire pit. In Florida, we can have open fires because it's not a dry state. Um, <laughs> and, you know, we can, you know, it was just super nice, super cozied up. Uh, I don't know about you. I, 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 I love the it.
1: cold. I love the cold. I will tell anyone ever uh, uh, that I would much prefer to be cold and get warm than be hot and get cool.
0: Yeah, I, I feel like. I don't. I don't know. I feel like the cold. I thrive in it. You know, I'm like a flower. I'm like a. I'm like a winter flower. I I show <laughs> up once a year and I and I open my heart and soul to the uh, the the below seventy degree weather. And oh, I, nice. Yeah.
1: I'm like I'm like a a Venus fly trap.
0: Yeah. I get too close and you open up. <laughs> oh no! It's because I eat flies. Oh. <laughs> um.
1: um. But hey, you know what? You know what this is. This is uh, the last episode of Scriptor Screen ever. Period. E- forever. Oh Until, no! No for the for We've the been year. we canceled, everybody.
0: Sorry. Uh,
1: for the year twenty twenty, this is our our final episode of the year. Uh, we're gonna take uh, a few weeks off uh, to be with friends and family for the holidays and. Uh, just give ourselves time to uh to refuel the tank so we can come back roaring uh into 2021 with some uh with some exciting new content
0: that is that is definitely true would you would you call it uh our our second season or just a, a we're taking a mid-season break well i would say like you know i would say it's
1: seasons kind of like how how the sports peoples do seasons so like that was our two, our 2020 season. This will be our 2021 season coming up.
0: I, I I like the idea of a nice break during winter, maybe a summer break as well. Kind of give you like the whole uh, primary school vibe going on. Mm. You know, I think it's nice. It also gives everybody a break. You know, if you haven't listened to any of the episodes of Scripture Screen in the past, now you have the opportunity to to just kind of take a look at our stock and see what's going on. Don't forget, ladies and gentlemen you can go to www.scriptorscreen.com check out our lovely catalog or if that doesn't tickle your fancy you could always go to spotify apple podcasts google podcasts anchor and more and don't forget you can find us on facebook twitter instagram and youtube for all your scriptor screen needs we got Night- episodes on on Steven Spielberg on Christopher Nolan we got an episode on the Marvel cinematic universe we got an episode on Fargo the Avatar. more We have two episodes on Avatar, Zach. Come on. That's like... The
1: the Mandalorian. That sounds good to you?
0: That sounds pretty great. Um, So, don't forget, everybody, uh, you should like us, you should follow us, and you should share us with your friends in case... Comment
1: on on our social medias, on our videos, because we are on YouTube, and uh, just comment, suggest what you want to hear us talk about.
0: That is, is, uh, I think... I think that that, that that about settles it, Zach. That's All right. That's our we'll spiel. see you
1: all in uh twenty twenty one. It's been a fun ride.
0: And you know, that's that's the rest of us. Thanks guys and uh have a great episode. No, we're just
1: we're just joshing. <laughs> we're just kidding around. A little a little uh end of the year uh jokes.
0: Um so speaking of jokes, Zach, our our film today, Die Hard has uh, quite Quite a few of them,
1: but it, it, uh, it falls under the, the category I like to do of movies that aren't comedies, but have funny
0: scripts. I I would say so. I I like your little script, by the way, for those of you who don't know, ladies and gentlemen, Zach does a lot of a lot. All right. So when him and I started this podcast, we, we separated our roles in a way like, um, Zach and I both kind of decide which content we want to do, but I'd like to refer to Zach as like the content producer. He does a lot of the writing, uh, I don't want to say the majority of the note taking, but like he I, I think I, I set like a like a basis for how we should organize the episodes and he's done a great job of filling in some of the information. Then I put my notes. he puts his notes. I myself handle a lot of the technical aspects, right uh, yes, The uploading, our... the data, uh, all that that fun stuff going on there. Yep. Uh, and Billy's our editor. They've kidnapped me. Send help. And you know we us three we live in harmony in our own homes uh and work remotely <laughs> but it, you're writing for the cold open this time around it, it reminded me of a joke i don't know if you're familiar with the jack and daxter franchise from of uh or yeah on playstation so the very first one uh daxter has like an opening line it's like who were these people why did they leave all this crap um <laughs> it, i don't know if you remember that's a great line and uh you know what it's it's it comes into play here, Zach. Who were these uh, incredible filmmakers, and why did they leave us uh, such a great movie? You know, yeah. Die Hard, the 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 definitive Christmas movie of every generation ever.
1: That is, you know, that is what we're here to to really dig into because there are some people, some some uh, some of those who I would go as far to call them heretics who don't believe this is a christmas movie. You remember and they when, say and they say you're just you're just being ironic.
0: So, do you remember when when you and I used to work together way back when we first met, we had to convince one of our um one of our bosses that it this was a christmas movie uh and that I think what, like Point Break was like a surfing movie and yeah. and all these things. Like that was such a pain, man. They <laughs> they, they just should have just took our word for it, you know? Yeah, like they should have we, there was all these movie nights and things going on, none of which I ever got to participate in, by the way. Um, <laughs> but it, it it just, I don't understand. What, they say, oh, it's a Christmas miracle at least four times in this movie. Or it's yeah. Christmas or something and like
1: that. It takes place on Christmas Eve. It, it has characters singing Ode to Joy. The final song of the movie is Let It Snow. Bingo. Um, I, it's a christmas movie it may not be a traditional christmas movie but it is definitely a christmas
0: movie there's plenty of ho ho hos in here yes um um
1: so let's let's uh start this off how about uh you uh you set you set the mood with a nice uh a nice synopsis
0: oh i have no idea what you're talking about hmm i have no idea
1: actually actually i think I think uh, just uh, for the sake of continuity, um, uh, for anyone who's keeping track, uh, answer me the question. Had you seen this movie before?
0: I want to plead the fifth. <laughs> he, here's the thing. I have an interesting relationship with Die Hard, right? Uh, okay. It's that I've seen Die Hard movies. Mm-hmm. The question is, in which order have I seen them? Because
1: that is the question.
0: It's not in the order of which they were released. Can I, <laughs> can I tell you something funny? So I think for years, the only Die Hard movie I had ever seen uh, viewed, watched uh, was Live Free Die Hard. With, ah, the uh, one with
1: Justin Long. With
0: Justin Long and, and Kevin Smith. Um, <laughs> and the bad guy, uh, Timothy Oliphant, who right. is Cobb Vanth in uh, The Mandalorian Season 2. And actually, and he's a, Timothy Olyphant's had a really busy year in yeah, 2020 television. He popped up in Fargo.
1: He popped up in what else was he in?
0: in? Mandalorian, and I think I saw him in a movie earlier this year or something like that. I forget. Uh,
1: oh, I know he was in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I mean, the oh, guy's, the guy's yeah. a he's been terrific super busy. Actor. Yeah, terrific so actor. I'm I'm glad um, he's in.
0: He's he's getting a lot of work. Um, but yeah, for years I had seen Live Free Die Hard, and then I, they I guess there was one that came after it uh, that I'd seen. I don't remember that one as well. Live Free Die Hard, I think I, I watched a lot. And then I remember in um, there's a scene in the office where uh, Michael is explaining to like a group of his coworkers that are not in this mm-hmm. is at his second job about uh, how John McClane went from being this, just this cop that was at the wrong place in the wrong time or the right place, wrong time. Uh, and then had to start doing these things uh, to go, you know, he went from that to like, Oh, now he's driving motorcycles into helicopters. Like, what is that? You know? <laughs> and I, I kind of agree. Like, that was pretty crazy, but now that I've seen oh, and let me tell you something. Uh, before my viewing of this of the first film, I saw maybe the first half an hour of the second film. I, I mean, I don't know if I like Die Harder, or I don't like. I don't even know no, if I liked die, it at all.
1: No, die, die Harder, Die Hard Two is not a uh, not great. Honestly, um, while I so I have seen all the Die Hard's. Uh, I think most of them are trash, but. Um, like I remember when Live Free or Die Hard came out, um, I was with a, a school group or something, and we had the option of seeing uh, Live Free or Die Hard or the first Transformers movie.
0: Wait, you were with so, a school group and they let you see Live Free Die Hard? It's
1: a PG thirteen movie. It's a PG thirteen movie,
0: and what what's what field trip was this that you guys got to go to the
1: movies? I don't remember. Uh, It might have been a summer camp thing, but, uh, you know, I was, like, 16 at the time. But uh, I just remember thinking that uh, a a PG-13 Die Hard movie sounds about, like, the worst time ever. And my opinion on that movie is, like, you know, we won't talk about it right now, but I ended up seeing the first Transformers movie instead.
0: I mean, I th- I would say you made the better choice. I don't know. Yeah. The first Transformers was not terrible, but it also wasn't anything more than product placement and Megan Fox being uh, the are... positioned in weird scenes. <laughs> they, uh, they are, are, they are very... just giant
1: uh, commercials. Yeah. Uh, oh,
0: uh, my God. I can't I, wait to get a... to talk
1: about uh, Michael Bay on this podcast. Le-
0: good, because I have a lot of great story- Michael Bay stories. <laughs> um, but, so, first time viewing Die Hard, uh, it was pretty excellent actually i mm-hmm. you and i actually had the same viewing experience at least for this yeah podcast. We, a... <laughs> we, we, we got to sit on the couch and watch it with our old men uh our dads sometimes
1: sometimes you sit down um and if you have a dad or a stepdad or a father figure in your life
0: a mentor uh, perhaps
1: yeah anyone anyone who who can just you know fill that role and you sit down and you 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 watch a nice movie together. That's that's always a, a great time, a time well spent.
0: You want to know something really interesting? Um, And I give a lot of credit to this person specifically, my stepfather, actually. As I want to say the reason why I became so into movies, into films in general. I nice. I, you, I don't know if you know this. Whenever people would come over to my house, they'd see this giant library collection of DVDs and Blu-rays and stuff. <laughs> yes. That, yes, I've seen it. That So... <laughs> the reason why we got those is because every, or we had purchased them is because every Friday, like after school or something like that, they, my parents would say, like, oh, let's let's go buy a movie or let's go to the movies and see something. And so I just kind of grew up watching a bunch of different, very different movies. Um, and I think that kind of started for my my love of film. So thank you, stepdaddy. I appreciate <laughs> you and I love you. Uh, but yeah, we watched this with our old men. Uh, that's funny, that phrase. Um, and <laughs> we had a great time. My dad and I loved, I loved, one, I loved watching it with him, and two, I just loved watching this movie. This yeah, was, it was so good.
1: It's, it's it's actually I think it was my dad's first time really seeing this movie, in any like actual attempt to like understand the plot and not just n- seeing like indiscriminate scenes from it. Um, and so getting to see his like reaction to like certain scenes where I knew was coming is it, it was a fun a fun time.
0: That's, I'm, listen, I'm glad to hear that. Uh, But when you're ready, I have the synopsis. Well, this one I would say is more of a log line than a synopsis. Log line for people that don't know. It's just like a one sentence summary of the film. Um, Right.
1: Well, we'll go ahead and go ahead and hit them with it. And we'll see if that, how how it do.
0: So this one comes from Wikipedia. It says, uh, Die Hard follows John McClane, played by Bruce Willis, who's caught up in a terrorist takeover of a Los Angeles skyscraper. While visiting his estranged wife, now that's pretty small. It's pretty condensed. Yeah. So I feel like, uh, what is what is this one? This one says uh, uh, an NYPD officer tries to save his wife and several others taken hostage by a German terrorist during a Christmas party at the Nakatomi Plaza in Los Angeles.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think both both kind of. I, I would say the the as. The least you'd know going into die hard the better for for your you know anyone's first viewing and uh I will say spoiler warning because we are gonna you know dig through this movie and talk about all the stuff we like in it so um this is you know, your warning
0: yeah I, uh, I would say well who goes into a a film and TV podcast knowing oh they're not gonna say spoilers. Why well, would they talk about spoilers? So this Unless is, I guess this is like a recent movie. I think we, we did like a, a non-spoiler review. When so when to speak, we did
1: of, when of we covered Tenet, Tenet yeah, yeah. We, I think we started off, and that's. So I was gonna say, you know, 2020 has been uh, just a crap year. So yeah. I'm hoping that as we move into 2021, and uh, you know, not not to uh, digress, but there are movies that will be released in theaters. Hopefully COVID goes away and stays away and theater going can, uh, can resume, but also a lot of big budget, you know, triple a Hollywood movies are being released on streaming now. Uh, so there are, I think opportunities for us to really discuss. Those.
0: We are experiencing technical difficulties. Please stand by. Thank you for holding. Your call is important to us, and a member of our team will be with you shortly. I could have easily gone back to the podcast already, but now I'm committed to the goof. Okay, I think that's enough. Zach, you know what I hate more than anything else in the world? It is it when the connection
1: uh, gets dropped and... I was... uh...
0: You know what I was going to say, Um, to quote the the famous Christopher Pratt, uh, connectivity problems is what I hate the most, uh, because they suck. Um, Yes, they do. Anyway.
1: (laughs) Oh, whatever. I think I think we'll just get right into it. Uh, Full spoilers for uh, Die Hard. Here we go. Uh, Die Hard, the movie directed by one John McTiernan.
0: Ooh, this uh, this is an interesting guy.
1: Yep, uh, director of movies like Predator, The Hunt for Red October, Last Action Hero, Die Hard with a Vengeance, uh, and uh, committer of a of a, of a, of a few crimes.
0: Yeah, I didn't I didn't realize until you showed me. Uh, I didn't really know who this guy was, um, <laughs> but his uh, let's say criminal charges and felony convictions and incarceration. Uh, are very interesting uh, thing it it involved him, uh, a producer who he thought was going behind his back and uh, perhaps a uh, private investigator he may have hired to wiretap their <laughs> office. Super but, interesting stuff, but I mean like yeah, <laughs> you know if you're into that like that's that's what uh, you know that's gossip. Yeah.
1: now the uh, movie was written by uh, Jeb Stewart and uh, Stephen E. Souza and it was based off the book uh, Nothing Lasts Forever by Roderick Thorpe, sequel to The Detective. I think this is a pretty well-known thing. It was sequel to The Detective, which was adapted to, uh, I think, in the 70s, uh, uh, starring uh, Frank Sinatra. And the, the intent was to have Frank Sinatra be in this movie as the same character, but he said no, so they kind of retooled everything.
0: Wow. You know, I didn't even realize that this was based off of the um, like a novel or that there was like novelizations that like I wonder when that changed. Like when Die Hard became Die Hard and probably uh, after the detective. This one. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say uh, I can't imagine live free Die Hard happened in a novel uh, <laughs> in all reality.
1: Uh, but let's see this movie. Uh, it was released uh, July 15th. 1988 so it's a christmas movie but it came out in the middle of summer uh and hey, it had a bu- Isn't
0: there a saying about christmas in July something like that?
1: Something like that. Uh a budget of uh between 25 and 35 million i like that there's just a phantom 10 million that you know take it or leave it it's, you know pocket change uh made a that? box office return of uh, f- uh 139.8 to 141 million dollars so pretty good return
0: i was gonna say and for all we know this is just um like 1990 1988 kind of money this isn't uh like adjusted for inflation right okay
1: um and so we have uh, oh what's up
0: i was gonna say yeah did you notice that this film was distributed by 20th century fox i wonder if disney will put it on disney (laughs) plus
1: it's doubtful i don't think uh they want someone saying yippee Kaye, motherfucker on on their Disney streaming platform. I'm still expecting Disney to like put out like a another platform that has kind of like more mature stuff from their
0: various studios or whatever. Isn't Logan on Disney Plus or not yet? I don't
1: know. Um let me check.
0: I don't think it is. Now that I'm now that mm-hmm. I I'm talking to you about it, I don't think it is. I feel Pulling like
1: it up. Let's see. Disney Plus is loading.
0: Here he is, our man Zach on the scene at Disney Plus. Zach, how is it over there? Uh,
1: so, X- the X-Men movies are on Disney Plus, but Logan is not.
0: Mm, I wonder if that'll ever make its uh, debut.
1: Never know. Yeah. Uh, but uh, let's look at the cast of this movie. So, fresh off a few, like I think, kind of like TV and comedy roles, uh, we have... Uh, a young up-and-comer named Bruce Willis.
0: Which is awesome. Did you know he was born in West Germany? No. I didn't either, until un- until looking at his Wikipedia page. That's
1: cool. Yeah. And, uh, you know, total n- newcomer to the action scene. He was really playing against type here. I think when they first uh, shopped the movie around to, uh, you know, kind of figure out what they wanted to do with it their original ideas were for an arnold schwarzenegger sylvester stallone type uh which i think would have become like a very made this a very different movie mm-hmm. um and then but but bruce willis you know he he kills it here he's uh one of a kind uh john mcclain the everyman the most relatable action hero
0: i i would say i really like. Bruce Willis in this as a whole. I mean, I think generally, I like Bruce Willis. I can't imagine the times I. Yeah, whatever. I think. I feel like I I can't imagine a movie that I've seen that I didn't like him in. Like, Pulp Fiction, he was good. Um, what did I see him in recently? (laughs) That's it. That's pretty much the last (laughs) thing I remember him in outside of. Well, he had a small role in the uh, the Expendables movies. I don't know if you remember those.
1: Yeah. Well, so like I I. The, the Expendable movies are like silly and like you're Very. not supposed to take them seriously. But after a while, it's like I get it, I get it. It's yes, you got the another action guy in your movie. And oh, yeah. they're saying you know each what other's would lines. Would be super
0: funny. Would be if if they did like an Expendables four or five. I don't know if it went past three, and they brought like John Wick th- or something like that. <laughs> that would be pretty cool. Yeah,
1: I just I. After a while, I think by the third one, they were like making like they had Chuck Norris making Chuck Norris jokes, and I said, "Okay, that was I'm awesome. Done. I loved that." <laughs> but uh, okay, so opposite Bruce Willis, we have uh, Alan Rickman, Severus Snape himself uh-huh. in his first film role, at least uh, first uh, Hollywood film role uh, as the the ringleader of this colorful group of criminals, Hans Gruber.
0: Uh, another actor, I you know, I can I think my favorite Alan Rickman roles would probably be Snape, right from Harry Potter. Yeah. Uh, Galaxy Quest. Uh, Galaxy
1: Quest is great. That um, is awesome.
0: And I would say he did pretty good. He did a good job in this one too. There were there was a part in this one I wasn't that I wasn't a fan of, but I was like really. Um, but no, and I, I think he was in Dogma too, wasn't he?
1: Yes. So he was in Dogma. I was gonna say I was gonna yeah. say that was one of my. He was uh, the. Uh, the Metatron in that yeah but of course I mean I think anyone who knows Alan Rickman his big thing is uh, playing uh, Snape in the Harry Potter series and uh, and for being the man who knew the truth about about the the big reveal of Harry Potter all the way from the very first movie and having to hold on to that secret for like ten years yeah. I mean um,
0: tell you, he's to he's you, he was a fantastic actor. He's he's yeah. Missed dearly
1: Yeah, it's it's uh, it was a shame when he when he passed away, but uh but he left uh some very powerful performances. Yeah, he had a great uh, legacy. And uh Hans Gruber is definitely one of them. Can you imagine like just like that's your first film role? Like that's <laughs> that's fantastic. Um but moving on down the line, we got uh Bonnie Bedelia as Holly Gennaro McLean. Honestly, I think one of the more underserved, uh, actors of the movie, uh, she, she does good with what she's given, but I feel like,
0: you know, she wasn't given a lot in general.
1: Yeah. Um, but,
0: uh, I think that's, that's probably like, uh, just, you know, this era of filmmaking. Uh, well, actually, I know, I don't even want to say that because, you know, in our episode of alien, we did talk about, um, how Sigourney Weaver had, like, a great role as, like, kind of, like, a, you know, woman protagonist and, like, taking center stage of the film.
1: So, I will, I will I don't, say... I,
0: don't want, I want to say some filmmakers did it better than others. I
1: will say that they did do some stuff for her character because, okay, like, I haven't read um, Nothing Lasts Forever, but I understand in Nothing Lasts Forever... It's not his wife who the character who became John McClain is going to meet up with Oh, it's supposed but to be he, like
0: his daughter or something. His
1: daughter, exactly. And and she is like all in on this like corrupt corporate scheme and so she dies at the end and it's like super dark and depressing. No. Um, as I understand it so I feel like they gave the character of Holly a lot more agency in this because she took the job out of her own volition she moved out to la and she chooses to use her maiden name because it works better with uh with the the Japanese culture I guess yeah but um but you know yeah is she is just kind of like a, a hostage and and unfortunately later she is a you know, sort of a damsel in distress, but you know, for what she's given, she does a good job. Right. Um, But moving on, we have, uh, the, probably my favorite character in the movie, uh, Reginald Vell Johnson as Al
0: Powell. Yes. He was, I listen. (laughs) my first time watching this movie, I didn't realize that he was even in it. Um, I, I know, Oh, actually I shouldn't say that because I did see him in the second one for, you know, the time that I did. Yeah. But he didn't really do anything the first thirty minutes. Versus this movie, he was such a, a delight on screen. He's, every little bit of it. Um, and then he is he gets the this the awesome voice. And oh, yeah, God. He's,
1: he is the voice of reason among like all these crazy people in this movie.
0: I, I also like how a sergeant can kind of defend himself against uh like not the police chief but. Uh, Oh, who who was this uh this other well, role
1: that's that's a that's a good um that's a good segue uh Paul Gleason uh definitely playing type as a uh, chief dwayne robinson
0: yeah um screw that guy
1: because <laughs> you know Paul Gleason he's a he was a was definitely uh still a, no did he pass away he passed away in 2006 Excuse Paul me.
0: Gleason passed away
1: uh yes he was a oh. he, was, he was a great actor of course I know him as the uh, the principal from the Breakfast Club right
0: I liked um, him and he also reprised his role as the principal in not another teen movie
1: <laughs> yeah that's right yeah um so uh but you know he plays kind of a good like t- asshole who gets his comeuppance yeah uh, in this uh, we've got uh, some of. uh a few of the notable people from Hans Gruber's uh group there's uh let's see I don't want to mess up this name Alexander Godunov as Carl. uh
0: memorable memorable Carl. just a real a real angry boy did i want to say did, did most of his uh his other not that they were gang i guess the terrorist members of the organization did they, did they go on to do like other great kind of roles, or they were all just kind of there?
1: I think a lot of them were like small-time actors. I don't want yeah. to say that. I, I could
0: be totally wrong. I, I like, didn't you that like I'm how they all kind of had this Fabio aesthetic to them?
1: The, uh, so much uh, glam metal hair yeah. going on. It's wonderful. Um, except for this guy, Clarence Gilliard as Theo, who is just like the snarkiest hacker on
0: yeah. Earth. I, I I could agree with that, but I mean, um, you know, I, I guess in a way he was the odd man out of the group.
1: Yeah, a little bit. He wasn't as like he wasn't a killer. Obviously, he was literally brought in just to break through a a, a safe. Yeah. And then, uh, but but he's got some fun. Just clearly, he he doesn't uh he doesn't have a problem with all their uh murder because like when they first enter the Nakatomi Plaza. And I think uh, Carl's brother kills the the guard in the front, and then Theo just hops over the desk and kicks the corpse away.
0: Yeah. So, so yeah, what? Who knows about his humanity if he yeah. had any?
1: Right. Now we have uh, William Atherton as uh, Richard Thornburg, who's the reporter. Um, probably the biggest piece of shit in this
0: entire I, movie. I, yeah, I hated. Him through and through. I don't think and, there's any redeeming characteristic about his uh, journalism or his career, his character yeah. in general. His
1: his horribleness is only maybe met by uh, Hart uh, Bachner as Ellis, who is just like the worst, uh, you know, L.A. Uh, douche.
0: Coke I, head. Yeah, I mean, I would agree with most of those things, but then I think I think I realized something, Zach. Uh, well, I actually, I, I'll save my realization for later. I, I, let's let's continue.
1: Okay, I think the last person I really credit because there's there's a lot of people and a lot of named roles. Like every one of Hans's uh, men has a name, and like they all have little gimmicks about them um, that are all pretty memorable. But I feel like if we named all the the named characters in this movie would be here all night, but at uh,
0: least the characters have names as opposed geez. to other films.
1: Nolan, um, but uh, the other other one I wanted to bring up was uh, a White as Argyle.
0: Dude, what a great character!
1: He's hardly in the movie, but he is. At any least he, time the
0: movie. gonna time say at least he, him, he has like just a like presence on screen. You know, like yeah. He, he really excites, I think, the audience, uh, yeah. as well as, you know, M- Mr. McLean if you will. You know, they they right. had this great small interaction relationship and, you know, and it, it was just great banter and back and forth. Um, I was I was happy anytime I got to see him, even, you know, if it was less than five minutes of screen time. Yeah. He was wonderful.
1: So, OK, let's let's kind of let's dig into this. Let's, you know. Get through this uh this story. So okay, basic you know, uh story. John McClane, it's a cop from New York, coming to go uh coming to see his his wife and daughters for Christmas. Uh, his wife left him basically in New York to pursue her, uh, uh career, and he has come to to I guess win her back, and. Uh, gets caught up in this this horrible terrorist takeover that's not actually a terrorist takeover, and uh, action movie shenanigans ensue. Yeah,
0: yeah. So I was really bothered by the the introduction of this film. Right? Uh, you know where we find Mister McLean, Mister John McLean himself, flying in. I guess the guy sitting next to him on the flight is giving him such weird advice. <laughs> to me, it's just. Oh, what you want to do is you want to take off your socks and shoes and just really roll them in like a fist, like on yeah. the, on the rug underneath you. And I mean, Bruce Willis's face was this look on my face, and I'm like, <laughs>
1: like
0: what are you talking about, man? Like, what, like, wh- what is happening? Why is right, this the introduction right. to this this uh, widely acclaimed uh, action film? Um, and I just love the little payoff later. You yeah, know, after, after easy, Bruce kind of gets acclimated, his... yeah. Like I'm wondering what the hell he's doing, and then I, I, yeah, he's digging his feet in his ground. I was like, oh, he's taking the advantage from the guy. I'm like, oh, that's a weird payoff, but yeah, it's it, a, it's... it was really, it was kind of funny. You know, it was like it a kinda, good gimmick.
1: Listen, as as one as one person who has been on an awkward plane ride, uh, time and again, I can say occasionally people will say some weird stuff, but you never know. You might get a little. Little breadcrumb of wisdom from one of them, uh. So I thought, you know, it's a funny, relatable moment in the movie. I, but, yeah, um, uh,
0: but it, what a weird way to relate to somebody. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know but, what I'm uh,
1: saying. Yeah, but let's let's talk about this this gentleman of John McLean, because I mean, like, I like how it would have been easy to portray this guy as like kind of like the the sh- you know. Shining Knight. Basically, he's a cop. He could be straight laced, and the, you know, the the straight man to all the kind of wild personalities of Hans Gruber's group. But he's got an edge to him. He's kind of he's not a perfect hero. Uh, He can't take his eyes off ladies when they pass by. Yeah, he's kind of unfriendly and untrusting, and but but all of this, you go like, well. I know people like that, you know, makes him feel real.
0: So I want to say, the. I think the movie does a good job um, kind of distancing itself in a way too from, you know, though they say like, oh yeah, John McClane, he's a cop. He's from, N- he's NYPD uh, and stuff like that. Like he, and I guess he has some kind of mannerisms about it uh, or or he he's kept the training and, you know, he provides that later on in the film. But there were a lot of parts here that made me think like, He's he's not utilizing things that you'd think uh, someone of that caliber would. And and it, you know when you look at it with like the scope of this day and age, I don't think this movie at all glorifies what being a cop was seen to be. And in fact, I think it shows the exact opposite of like why the police in general are kind of useless and why like well this kind of loose say- cannon is pretty like I, and, I would
1: say yeah it's it's situational but um yeah I mean very yeah, situational in in a situation like this you know obviously this is a hollywood movie and a you know in terms of like uh things where where something if something were to happen like this it wouldn't be i think as you know grand or or operatic as this movie can be at times no, but, um, I mean,
0: but I mean, even with all the, the grandeur and, and everything that that's kind of going on,
1: mm-hmm. um,
0: it, it does a great way of showing, like, uh, I guess the best way to put it, just like, John's really there on his own because mm-hmm. of the incompetence uh, of the system he was kind of... Uh, yeah you know in.
1: like you know when he's when he gets on the radio the walkie-talkie and he's like trying to talk talk to them and they're like this is a lion reserved you know yeah,
0: yeah exactly he doesn't care about the minutiae of everything you know like and i and i like that you know i mean he he's is that 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 kind of um i don't well, want to say that stereo that that trope of like what we imagine like tv and movie <laughs> uh, like action heroes to be, but he he kind of fits it, but in just in the right way. I would well, say a you lot know, of people it's face he's characters. Old fashioned.
1: Of he's an old fashioned like New York, not going to take any crap from anyone. Uh, against these like new age like L A oh. types.
0: Well, I mean, also, well, I mean, the the terrorists themselves not necessarily L A types, but you you know what I loved was the relationship that Hans Gruber would make to him. That like, oh, you're like you think you're like a cowboy, but like he talked about like John Wayne or, and I love how he was just like misremember the movies. It's, like, it's right. like John Wayne wasn't in that movie uh, or something yeah, like a, that.
1: Yeah. Here's, here's uh is this where uh, John Wayne rides off with, um, with Grace Kelly and he's like, it was Gary Cooper asshole.
0: Yeah, exactly. But I mean, like there's a, uh, there's a lot of that in there and you know, it's, it, and I think it, it does well, like for yeah, his character yeah.
1: John John McClane feels like, at least for this first movie, feels like a very real person who is just caught up, in, you know, he's an average man caught up in an uh, above average kind of situation, uh, an extraordinary situation, I should say, um, but, but seeing him, you know, kind of like... I, it's, it's funny watching his growth through the movie. Cause at first, you know, he's like, he's like, oh my God, like what's going on? Why didn't you, why didn't you go in there and stop them? Like when they kill, um, uh, oh God, I'm totally blinking on the, the man's name on, uh, Mr. Takagi when they kill him. Yeah. And, uh, and, and John goes, you know, why didn't you, why didn't you stop them and stuff? he goes, cause you would have gotten yourself killed too. And he's kind of talking to himself and
0: yeah, he's working it
1: out. Yeah, seeing him go from that to, like, someone who is, like, you know, playing this, this cat-and-mouse game and outwitting his opponents and to the point that he's having full-on, like, machine-gun fights with them.
0: Yeah. Um, it's it's you, you always got, really... Yeah, you have to admire his resourcefulness, too, because, you know, he really is caught at, like, such, you know, with his pants beneath his, his waist, you know, or, like, around his ankles. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, you know, first and foremost... Uh, he took his shoes and his socks off so he could roll them on the on the ground. You know, and,
1: and, and by the way, I, I will say that's why that first scene is there in in the plane. It's because they need an excuse for him to not have his shoes on,
0: right? But I mean, like you know, when you you finally get to that point, um, oh my god! Like I, I want to really compliment the writing there and just kind of the situation that they that they designed to to put him in because that super clever and also yeah. it, it makes for an interesting way to like like that's how the terrorists end up combating uh you know mclean when he's uh, when he's kind of got them pinned and they're like oh let, let's shoot the glass like shoot the yeah. glass and then you you don't realize it until john realizes it like oh wait they shot the glass so that i can't get out of here i can't walk out of here or else i'm gonna step all over it which he ends up doing and and it really it cuts him bad and
1: yeah oh god the the whole, the glass in the feet is like one of the most like i've I've always said like in a movie i can watch someone just like have their head exploded or see someone get like cut in half but you show me like a little like the little things like someone pulling like glass out of a
0: tiny cut and i go no yeah i mean i want to compliment this movie too uh it was a there there was a lot more uh not, i don't want to say gore but um it was a little more explicit than I thought it was going to be. Uh, yeah. but w- but when there were like squib explosions and and uh, you know fake blood and stuff, they it mm-hmm. looked pretty good to me. I, well, I, I, I it, only to be rivaled with like Tarantino, you know, in the modern this, day. This
1: was, this was the time, you know, back in the day of, of squibs and and you couldn't you couldn't have like CGI blood splatter, so I know. Uh, I don't know, man.
0: I I I miss the old way of doing things
1: yeah sometimes sometimes old is better it, it you know it's just because something's new doesn't mean it's better um right. George Lucas but um yeah I just this this movie's great uh, I I really for a second I want to talk about Gruber's men again because I love their they all have these little things about them kind of like you said they all have like the glam hair um, or you might see Carl's brother. Uh, you know, does something or one of the other characters says something or there's one of them who like you can see him kind of picking out a, a candy bar and stuff. And but they all have these little character beats that it, it makes them feel like real people and not just like mindless henchmen.
0: Uh, I mean, even to that point, like they, they go further uh, to the step that they all have. They each have names. They each and, have and names. <laughs> they all, I want to say all of their names have been said on screen at least once and are even written on McLean's arm, yeah. so he can so you know, track there, e- each and every one of them.
1: There is Franco, Tony, mm-hmm. Alexander, Marco, Christoph, Eddie, Uli, and Heinrich. Oh, I want to say maybe Fritz like
0: and James. Yeah, not all those sound uh, German, I suppose. But you know, I'll buy that.
1: <laughs> well, uh, I know Uli was the guy who goes for the candy bar, um, and of course Theo, who's just a silly boy, and Karl. Uh, who I, I would say gets the most development out of uh any of uh, the any of the henchmen, but he, you know
0: I wouldn't again, say necessarily development. I mean, I don't know if I, he gets a lot of screen time. I don't know if I see him get like, you know, achieve and fulfill certain goals per se, but like uh he says he remains the most consistent. Yeah. I'll give you that.
1: He um in and, and, you know, like he has like again, like he is a bit character. He, he really only has like one motivation, but it is a, a, I feel a very relatable thing where it's like his brother got killed. He's pissed off. And I like that as the movie goes on, uh, as the movie goes on, you see that, uh, Hans Gruber's hold on him is slipping. Yeah. And it just, it gives the character, it makes him feel like he's not just some, tool that's being used by the big bad guy he's he is a person and yeah he's an individual
0: thinker and he he you know he's he's gonna gonna get what he wants
1: yeah he's gonna rebel against Gruber if it serves his his end i agree uh let's let's pivot to uh everyone's favorite police officer reginald johnson because I love the first scene with him when he's in the gas station and he's like loading up on chips and candy and stuff. And the guy is like, you know, uh, he's like, it's, it's for my wife. She's pregnant. And the guy's like,
0: yeah, okay. I I was a little worried that when, (laughs) when that was his, uh, introduction that they, they just kind of typecasted him as like, oh, he's the big cop, you know?
1: Well, Reginald Val Johnson always played cops.
0: Right. Um, (laughs) But, I, like, you know, I he was great in Family Matters. Um, of course. And I feel like that's the only other time I've ever seen him play a cop. Does, I don't see him as, as an actor too often. Like um, I just remember him, you know, from that show. So coming and see him here, I'm like, oh, okay, he's, he's another officer. But, you know, just typecast it as, like, oh, just because he's a big guy means he's got to go be – he has to order Twinkies and – you know, that's, that's all he's eating. But I mean, come on, man, like give him a little depth and little did I know, like, <laughs> dude, he gets like his own arc, uh, throughout the film. Like that was the biggest surprise for me, you know? And, and at that moment, like, well, not at that moment, but you know, when he's forming his relationship with McLean over the radio, which is awesome. And yeah, he becomes the voice of reason. Um, and you know, is, is trying to in make the, sure in the
1: whole situation. Yeah. yeah. And,
0: and the whole situation, um, it becomes uh, clear to me that he has a, a much bigger purpose uh, in the film uh, uh, in general, and then you know he, he gets that that I don't want to call it a monologue, but he gets that deep moment where he reveals like why he's he's not a you know a beat cop or something like that, or he's a pencil right. pusher, as they say, and you know and he, he shot this kid, and he, you know he doesn't want to go through that again and, and make a mistake. So- and, you know, he's trying to claim responsibility for his actions and he doesn't think he's good enough. And then, you know, when push came to shove, like he really, one, he not only probably surprised himself and everybody around him, but like that is a great reveal. And I think a really great way to end the film. Like that, that was the last, the last key we needed to have like a, an almost perfect ending to a movie. You yeah. Know? I,
1: I think it was, you know, um, um, so, I, I like obviously he's like one of my favorite characters in the movie um and I think that his story of like someone who he accidentally shot shot a, a kid I don't think he killed a kid I think he just said I shot a Did kid Did I say
0: killed? I thought I said shot.
1: No 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 I'm just saying I think it's it's up to interpretation if he if he uh had actually taken the kid's life but like okay so this movie came out in 1988 and how were they supposed to know that in the future, there would be such a harsh problem with, uh, police shooting people, um, sometimes accidentally, sometimes not accidentally, and that this would become maybe one of the biggest social, uh, and uh problems. Systemic. Yeah, yeah. S- you know, one of the biggest problems our country would be facing in modern day, um, And I don't want to claim ownership of this take on that monologue because I've heard it from several people. But, and again, not Die Hard's fault, but the fact that when the discussion, when he's talking about it, it's not that, like, I killed a kid and I feel awful because I have taken a life. It's I killed a kid and I lost my nerve. You know, so it's like, it's like, it almost like, it puts the, the, the tragedy on him losing his nerve over the the fact that someone was either injured or killed because yeah. of him. Yeah. So again, that's not that's not the fault of of uh this movie. They could not know in 1988 that there was going to be uh that this was going to become such a big issue cuz it is a big issue now. And I think you and I were both discussing kind of going into this how we wanted to approach this movie cuz it is about a you know, is it's about police and and you know, right now the topic of of police work and uh, you know how they handle situations is it's it's it, a hot it's a hot yeah it's a under a lot of button. scrutiny
0: because of the way it's been handled. I mean, since the the dawn of of the Pinkertons and, and things, yeah, law enforcement and 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 things of that sort. I um, just
1: think uh, you know. Obviously, I think we can try to divorce ourselves from what's happening now when talking about a movie because this isn't, like you said, this isn't a movie that glorifies police work. This is a movie they they weren't trying to even
0: in. I don't want to say police, police work, just like in, it glorifies police in general. I don't think it does. Yeah,
1: and and I don't think they were trying to. I think they were trying to make a fun action movie, um, and then and for the sake of having that character moment for uh, Powell. Uh, the, the monologue is fine. Uh, it's just, it's something I felt needed to be addressed in, you know, taking today's context in mind. Yeah, of course. Um, but, you know, I think I don't want to bog down the whole thing by, by going, you know, going too, uh, far into it, but, uh, suffice to say original Val Johnson, great in this movie. Fantastic. Um, uh, and I was gonna say, I absolutely uh, love uh, him flooring his car in reverse when the when the body hits his hood. Yeah, to the point that he like goes over the wall and. <laughs>
0: yeah, I want to say he has a, a a lot of great character moments in in the film as a whole, and just I don't know he he was the he was one of the best parts of it for me, more so yeah. than like. Uh, I want to say the final shot where of him kind of, you know, in a way kind of redeeming himself for his his faults earlier that he had mentioned, Uh, not not to mention one, it's not just like a a show don't tell kind of thing Um, or that example, you know, he had like his personal moment uh, with John over the radio. And now we get to see like that come full circle. Right. It was something I had no idea that existed in the film at all versus like you know the the last shot with Hans Gruber falling from the building it's, it's a very iconic shot and you yep. see or or of you know McLean in the uh in the vents like you know igniting oh, the yeah. lighter yeah like yeah, those yeah. are iconic shots but um yeah Powell's uh final moments and you know that being the way that we almost end the film um that was that was really rewarding um as a, as an audience member, I will say, yeah, it's, so.
1: it's it's a great moment, you know, for the character. Again, like I feel like context is important. If he wasn't a police officer, <laughs> it might have read a lo- completely differently. Mm-hmm. And if and if we didn't have the problems we were having now, you know, that issue probably wouldn't really wouldn't be present. Uh, it's it's just one of those unfortunate things. The world's kind of a screwy place, and unfortunately, uh, sometimes bad people. Uh, abuse power and it kind of sours moments like this in films. But other than that, you know, I don't want to dwell too much on it's it. It's okay. Uh, I,
0: I have something I want to bring up about the film, or just kind of move into yes. um, as a as a break from some of the characters that we're exploring. Um, we talked about earlier that this this movie, though I don't think is deemed as a comedy, has a lot of great uh, like comedic moments. Like the writing's just, I want to say, it's super clever. Yes, um, the
1: the this movie is so dang funny.
0: Like, I want to say the first, the first. I mean, and it has to do with, with that cat mouse game as well as you were talking about earlier. Like, that's the, one of the first instances that we get it. Um, like, you know, we have we have John McClain fighting his first of the of the many terrorists he'll encounter. Yeah, uh, Carl's brother, if you will. Um, yeah, what's his name I again? Say, that, I said they all had names. Stars? Uh, but I, we keep I referring to him as Carl's brother.
1: I think that's crap. It might have been, uh, Christoph, Tony, Tony.
0: Let's okay. So Tony, um, you know he he goes through that whole that situation and and that that re, that you know that wrestling match with him uh, mm-hmm. until he comes out the victor and then sends Tony's body down. Uh, with the the best <laughs> taunt ever uh now that i've seen i
1: have a machine gun ho ho ho
0: like well one zach fantastic rickman impression i must say that Thank i you. i could appreciate that um and two like that that was awesome like what a way to fuck with people you know <laughs> like imagine ugh, I, I i i didn't realize that he had that kind of sense of snark or humor i guess he kind of did but um, or I guess it comes with his territory, but, uh, it was just really great that, that, uh, to have that kind of moment. Um, and this would yeah, then play I, into, you know, go ahead.
1: I was going to say, he also has like that great line when he, you know, he's killed Tony and then he's like going to try to get his boots on. And he's like, you know, killed this, this European terrorist. And he's got smaller feet than my sister.
0: Oh yeah. Do you see like, it has like a lot of great. I mean, you get the you know, the iconic Yippee Ki motherfucker! Like that's hilarious. Yeah. Uh, well, you
1: know the I, I some I wrote a few of them down. So there's the uh, so this is what a TV dinner feels like. Mm-hmm. Um, I've actually seen that line referenced in like other properties. Like I think that line popped up in like one of the Fallout games
0: and stuff. Oh wow! Uh, Ellis going, Hans, Bubby. Yeah, that one's fantastic. <laughs> I mean, listen, uh, Ellis is a. I hate him as a character. <laughs> That's probably like his best scene, uh, and I'm glad that that was his last scene as well.
1: Yeah, probably probably one of my favorite lines is when the the people the uh, news uh, casters are talking and they're saying like, oh, you know, they should be going through the early stages of the Helsinki syndrome. And he's like, like, "Oh, I Helsinki, Helsinki, in- as in Helsinki, Sweden, Finland."
0: So, and which is kind of awesome because I didn't realize this. In fact, I was watching it with, uh, with my parents um, and my dad says, like, I wonder if they had to write that because uh, uh, Stockholm Syndrome is copyrighted. And then we looked it up and that's exactly why. Stockholm Syndrome is, is a copyright name and idea. Uh, or That's uh, awesome. Uh, you know, I meant to have it open. Hold on. I'm, I'm Googling uh, really quickly. And for our
1: viewers, uh, while Chris Googles, uh, Stockholm syndrome is the, uh, I don't know if you call it a, a phenomena, but where, uh, captors will actually begin to relate to their, uh, or cap captives will start to relate to their captors and, uh, begin to favor them, uh, during their, their time as a captive.
0: That's true. Um, so I'm kind of back, uh, but i can't find who owned the copyright of it so i'm gonna let that be up to the audience to find out because i don't want to dwell on that too long too much longer um but that was a great line not to mention um i guess in that those parts of the film we, we get those moments with the uh, the reporter who uh, i guess isn't allowed to go on to be an anchor or something like that yeah um and he's replaced by this idiot on screen <laughs> um but yeah, I, I I don't know. I just uh, I I gotta say the really just like a lot of a lot of really enjoyable moments uh, with these characters.
1: Yeah, um, I and think, their, their uh,
0: lines. Oh, I and, and I I don't want to miss one of my favorite moments, but um, when we get Hans Gruber, uh, faking his well, one he's doing a German accent, and Alan Rickman is not German. Right. But it, first and foremost, and then he does has to do a German American accent. A German right. accent of, of, you know, English speaking accent. Uh, and then try to speak sound American. Uh, so now we have this hodgepodge of uh, just language, kind of English, coming out of his mouth. And it's just like, oh, you're not one of them! Or something like that. Like, super exaggerated. I I, I think I died laughing. I night.
1: I love that thing because when Hans does eventually try and pull the trigger on him, and he's like, "Oh, no more bullets." What do you think? I'm fucking stupid.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I kind of want to keep, you know, talk about that scene because that might be one of my favorite scenes in the entirety of the uh, of the film. They
1: they definitely uh, play a play a good little trick on the audience because uh, the movie is very open about what the audience knows and you know who knows what. So. When you go to when you get to that scene, you have no indication that uh, John McClane knows it's Hans Gruber, and so it's I think like the first time, maybe the only time that the movie really tricks you into thinking that uh, John McClane's in danger.
0: Yeah, but but I mean like it well that that sense of danger is just kind of like oh dude it, it encapsulates the entire scene because you know not only do we get them to meet each other and things like that, like then John kind of becomes friendly with him. Mm. Right. And like Alan Rickman being the fantastic actor he is, plays it so well. Uh, Also with this terrible accent, like it's, it's (laughs) this disgustingly cunning, weird performance, but you're, you're also, you can't believe that John's buying this, you know? And then this is, I, all right, again, my favorite scene in the film, not to mention it has like, you know, uh, this, this, Tension that's just being built, and you you have no idea when this time bomb is going to explode. But you, you have these uh, wonderful uh, camera angles, right? They're canted. They're they're what's known as a Dutch angle. Yep. Which is when uh, it's like kind of like off, like a slant. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. Like uh, a they number tilt, of degrees. They
1: tilt the camera.
0: Yeah, exactly, and, and it usually is, is supposed to show like some sort of signs of like dominance and like or or um, an
1: unhinged nature.
0: And, yeah. In in the. The characters and you don't really know, uh, you know, what's going to happen next. I think uh, another great example of, of that is the first Mission Impossible. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's a video I think uh, that Studio Binder did, a great YouTube channel and um, about, like film uh, production products uh, brand as well, uh, where they where they study the, the Dutch angle and um, they show how it, well it can be used in a scene. Check it out if you haven't. Um, but yeah, you this is another great example of that. Because then you finally get the moment where, where John McClane hands him the handgun. Like, you know how to use one of these? You've shot this before. He's like, oh, I, I went shooting one time or or something like that. And he hands him the gun. Mm-hmm. And now you're like, oh, shit. Like, th- it's over. It's done. And, you know, lo and behold, he then points the gun at him. And, and I mean, then we get the foil of of, of all that tension. But yeah, the, the director of photography, uh, Jan de um, who also uh, was director of photography of The Hunt for Red October, uh, right. which the director had also done. Um, he also did something like uh, Lethal Weapon Three. Uh, you know, like great work. A, yes, Bravo to Cujo. him.
1: Yeah, one of my one of my favorite uh, Stephen King movies.
0: There you go. Like this guy has done some, some good work, and I gotta say, like I was really. Dude, that that another pleasant surprise in this film for me personally. Mm-hmm. Um, as a student of film, yeah, that was an excellent scene. Excellent. I would use that as an example for attention for, for anybody.
1: It's it's a great scene, and then I I just it's got the great payoff of just that all this tension that you thought was there suddenly is taken away when you realize that John McClane has been on top of everything from the beginning. Uh, it's a good good reversal of of uh of that scene. Um,
0: but uh, before we get uh, forget about it, um, I do want to go back to, to, I mean, the one character we haven't gone too much into, which is, uh, Hans Gruber, um, our antagonist. I, f- so, I feel like, yeah,
1: he, he's a, he's an awesome character.
0: Just s- start to finish. He, he's not the traditional villain. I want to say,
1: well, well, I think so. He it's funny because he has this way about uh, how he how he acts and how he addresses people and how he presents himself, where you think he's not like your typical like you know crook, but but at the end of the day he is. I mean he is just in it for the money. Yeah. And and it's, it's a he, robbery. Exactly, and he stages everything uh this huge terrorist attack uh even going as far as to like murder people who are like high up on the in the corporate chain um corporate ladder I guess uh to to disguise his actions as you know like he even has like you know when he gives the demands to um to Robinson he's like I want these people from this you know from in Canada to be released and I want these people. To be set free and stuff, and when you have those demands, I want a chopper, uh, on the the roof to take us to the airport, and from there you'll get further instructions. And it's this elaborate thing, all to disguise the fact that all he's doing is stealing money.
0: How much was it? It Was like sixty million or six hundred million, something like that. Just, just. just uh, oh, and, just, and actually, it's it's in the form of a uh, like bear bonds, right? Yep.
1: Yeah, yep. Yeah. Bear which, bonds.
0: Is, which is funny. It's like bare bonds is like the thing that most a lot of villains uh, are after in movies. I don't know if you, you know this, um, mm-hmm. but I, I want to say they're the uh, they're the center of plight for a number of heist films. Yeah. Uh, what was it? Where was the list? I, I had it up here somewhere in my in my notes because uh, my, my dad discovered it. And I was like, oh, that's actually it's actually interesting that it comes up so often um excuse, so all right what is it Die Hard, heat beverly hills cops license to kill panic room uh so, i guess somewhere in akita they have it uh okay. the transporter fun with dick and jane i remember in that one <laughs> but it's like point even point blank um what else dude there's just there's just so many <laughs> uh films where it's like i think bonds are good. like that's just yeah, the it- thing that people want to steal
1: it's a good way to, like, show that you have a lot of money and not have just, like, a bag full of cash or something, but, um, yeah, I just, like, I love the part where, you know, when he's gathering up the bonds and everything that was in the room, uh, in the safe, and, uh, Holly says, you know, after all of this, you're just a common, uh, you're just a common thief, and he says, I am an exceptional thief, and since I'm moving up to kidnapping, you should be more polite, and, It's it's a wonderful line because it really I you know I feel it's like the one time that he feels like he's really being insulted. Yeah, I was gonna
0: say like he really (laughs) took that to heart, you know.
1: And 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 we've seen this guy murder people on a whim, so when he says you should be more polite,
0: uh, I believe believe it. Yeah, Yeah, you know. Uh, Yeah, I I feel like that was that's probably like another great moment, and also like you get, I mean, he's also. I don't want to say like a classy fellow, but he's not not a classy fellow. You get the the great moments of the music that plays like during his uh, uh, kind of villainous moments, um, yeah, an old nod, joy. an old nod to the Ludwig van uh, yeah. as as they say in Clockwork Orange. Uh, but yeah, just the, these great moments, which which uh, I mean, I guess. Yeah, I guess you you'd say that makes him a little more classier. When, so when he says he's an exceptional, he holds himself to a higher standard right. than than uh, the common robber, if you will. Um, yeah, I, I really liked his his characterization in a way. He, I mean, he did play the exact opposite that that was uh, our main character of John McClane. You know, John McClane's reckless. He throws C four down elevator shafts and, and almost <laughs> blows up a building, and you know. Yeah, uh, was he the one that shot at um, the Al or, or, or Powell's car, or it was one of the terrorists? No, that, shot that the the car? was that was one of the terrorists. That's what I thought. Okay, I just wanted to clarify that uh, on public record because someone told me that he <laughs> shot. I was like, no, I'm pretty sure he didn't. But you know, like he is known for doing other reckless things. Um, yeah, he
1: he definitely does. But then you know, I, versus Gruber, think... who's
0: calculated and yeah, you know, like this. It was it was a great um, uh, battle of extremes, if you will. Right.
1: And of course, all of this comes to comes to a head in the their final standoff. And, you know, I think the only great thing and not the only great thing, but the only thing I feel like is really worth mentioning is I love the story behind that final moment with Hans Gruber, because so he gets the jump on Gruber and his last uh, henchmen because uh, he's got, you know, oh, two, got
0: the, like two bullets left or something like that. Yeah, and he has
1: the gun duct taped to his back, so he he shoots Hans, he shoots the other guy, and then Hans is h- hanging out the window and he's holding on to Holly by the watch, and John is able to to get the watch off, and Hans Gruber falls to his death. When they shot the movie, uh, Alan Rickman agreed to do the twenty five foot fall. Uh, I suppose I would hope onto a mat, <laughs> onto oh my a God. a pillow. A that was way
0: bigger than twenty five feet.
1: <laughs> well, well, I I mean I don't know how they do it for the movie, but like w- in that scene where he is dropping, uh, where you see him like his face, mm-hmm. uh, I think that was supposed to be like a twenty five foot fall. Jesus. Um, but um, you know, if you land on a on a soft pillow, I'm sure it's fine.
0: Have but, you ever landed on? or have you ever been on a crash mat, Zach?
1: Uh, maybe
0: it's a a lot harder than you think.
1: Well, hopefully I'm sure everything went well, but the, the great thing about this is that, you know, they told him, okay, so you're going to be holding on and we're going to drop you on one, two, three, go. And so when they rolled, they went one, two, and then they dropped him. And oh so no. That, that look on his face as the watch snaps off and he falls, that is genuine shock on Alan Rickman's face.
0: Oh god. You know, and, oh act- actually there's a, another little bit about that scene I want to mention is that earlier in the film they talk about um Holly's like uh you know how uh important she is to the company and they reward her, her with like a Rolex or something. I'm pretty sure like mm-hmm. that's the Rolex they were talking about. Yeah, that she lost. So and I, you know, another great detail about the movie. So you, you may continue.
1: Oh, no, that's that's about it. I mean, I think from that point on, the only the only thing worth mentioning, I mean, there's there's other things. There's the two FBI agents, Johnson and Johnson. Uh, um, they're, they're you, funny. They're completely
0: I, useless good riddance <laughs> to them.
1: I think they have that, that one great thing where it's just like being in Saigon and he's yeah. like, I was in junior high, dickhead. <laughs> um and like they're fun, but like, you know, they're they come and go. Yeah. Um really I just I love the ending of this movie. Um Powell gets his big moment, you know, um Carl shows back up, he's, you know, got his gun, but Powell's Quick with his gun and He's quick takes on the him drawl. out. Yeah, Holly punches out Thornburg.
0: Yeah, and, which now uh, makes sense considering the opening of the second film.
1: <laughs> and uh, and then we get uh we get let it snow because it's a Christmas movie. It is a hundred and ten percent a Christmas movie.
0: You know, Zach, we've done uh we're kind of we're finished on our on our holiday wrappings of of all these films. Uh, what would you say has been your your favorite? out of uh, the four the that, yeah, out yeah of the yeah. four that we did yeah you
1: know i rocky i think rocky is always going to be one of my favorite movies
0: yeah uh, I, I feel like I, I i enjoyed i don't know i feel like i really enjoyed this one. i feel like i enjoyed rocky for the thanksgiving time due to the mm-hmm. the nature of the film but i don't know this one really felt like well i i can't imagine there wasn't a dull moment in rocky not for me at least um no
1: definitely not
0: but i i don't know i feel like yeah this one was just also really great they were both really great yeah, movies
1: you can't go wrong with you either can't. they are just a a hell of a good time um you know i wish every i wish every die hard movie was this good unfortunately uh they're not but uh they you know the uh, for what this one is, I feel like a lot of times with these movies, you know, these action series from the 80s and stuff, the first one's great, and then the others are just kind of there. Um, but that doesn't diminish this one from being just start to finish one of the most enjoyable movies ever.
0: You know, franchises are are just that. They're just franchises. Maybe they'll reboot the Die Hard franchise. That would be... Um... That, I don't actually, I don't want that. I'm not a big fan of all the reboots in the world. Um, so, there's, yeah. But, there's some I want. There's some that I don't think I, I need necessarily. Th-
1: there was some talk. I know back when uh, A Good Day to Die Hard was coming out, there was some talk that they wanted to do a young John McClane thing. But, like, for me, I feel like that, it ruins it. Because it's like, the whole appeal of John McClane is he's not an action hero. He is yeah. an, He's an everyday schlub. Who just kind of he got roped into this crazy circumstance? Yeah, and if <laughs> if you if you start saying, but he's done all this other crazy shit you haven't seen, then I go, well, what what was even the point?
0: Can, can I tell you something? I was a realization I had today um, that you know filmmakers and, and studios and all these companies, um, they they were you know they started franchises and things like that. I want to say like when starting in the seventies, if not the eighties. Uh, mm-hmm. Like really, when we started getting like sequels and trilogies, and then oh, now Rocky Five, like what is this? Um, <laughs> you know, like but but there was there was a point where I feel like the generation before us, right, mm-hmm. or or and, and you know even the generation previous to them, they they were always more interested in where people were going and what we, people were going to do versus I feel like our generation and and they've they've kind of learned this that like we're We'll always be interested in how we got here, you know, which is why the the phrase prequel and and the before time exists now, right? And why we're so <laughs> obsessed. Like you think about it, there wasn't any like explorations of oh, well, what did they do? How did they get to that point in the first film? You know, before I feel the year nineteen eighty. So... Uh, I mean, reality. Like, I can't think of a time where there were where there was, and then you know, like
1: well. I will say, like you know, a good well, like uh, there's the Godfather Part Two, which sure. is both a sequel and a prequel. Um, and not to say that prequels didn't exist, but yeah, I don't think they were as prevalent as they are now. I, for one, I there's an am, obsession about them, though. I I can't tell you how much I don't care for prequels. Mm-hmm. I think I think the most annoying thing for me is when people demand a prequel to a movie. Or a show or whatever where we already know what happened. Uh-huh. Um, I know there have uh, been talks of well, what was the one I just heard about? Um, you know, oh, uh, you know they're they're doing a prequel series for Game of Thrones. Yeah, and um, you know we won't talk about Game of Thrones and our opinions on that. Um, but they're they're doing the smart thing where they're they're doing uh, the story. I think of the the. The House the of the dan- Dragon. The Dance so, of Dragons, the, the Blackfire Rebellion, I think. So that's, like, there's some real, like, cool stuff. And it's distant enough from the Game of Thrones proper story that uh-huh. it's not, you know, there's enough room that, like, we don't know all the details and stuff. And it's interesting. But I remember back when Game of Thrones was wrapping up, there were a lot of people who wanted uh, a prequel all about, like, the the rebellion that uh, happened. Yeah at the beginning, you know, right before the st- main story of Game of Thrones, and I'm like, but we know what happened. We saw it. What's even the point of having that? So when I hear someone say, well, yeah, we were shopping around the idea of a young John McClane movie, I'm like... I'm oh. like,
0: dude, he was in the police academy. What else do you want yeah, from him? Yeah, <laughs> he,
1: he, he, he was just a cop in New York, like...
0: <laughs> yeah, he was pulling people over, you know, like, out. The
1: whole, the whole appeal of John McClane is he doesn't do this... He, he wasn't supposed to be this, like, action star who had, like, all these crazy adventures. He was one dude who got in a very bad situation.
0: That's what Michael Scott says, man. You gotta gotta listen to Michael Scott. He knows things. People don't give him enough credit. (laughs) That's a a smart guy right there.
1: So, I think the big takeaway uh, from this is don't do prequels. Um, Always move forward. Never go back.
0: Uh, Listen, I won't say whether I'm for or against them because there have been many times where I'm for... Uh, a before time story. Uh, but, you know, just uh, just make it make it good. Yeah. Make, make, make me make it worth seeing. Like, why get, do we want to explore that story? Get um, it
1: right. Get it. Get it
0: tight. There you go. Um, but yeah, man, this this has been a fun, a really fun last couple weeks with yeah. Zach doing doing all these shows and and enjoying all these podcasts. You know, I don't know if necessarily we talked about like, you know, what we're going to take this time um to our lovely listeners to to kind of reflect on on this kind of year as a whole as as we close out our our season um and our show and just kind of you know what we can look forward to coming up because you know what there's there's this year was uh it's a very troubling not troubling it's just a very troubled year in general but it but had a lot of it, a lot of of
1: shit. Shit.
0: it <laughs> yes a great you know word choice right there um but, you know, we all kind of dealt with everything in our own ways. And, you know, in, in some ways, shapes and forms, communities came together, though we were all so very far apart. Um, Zach, you and I finally did something that we never thought. It's not that we never thought we could do, but we 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 finally got our heads together and we started this show.
1: Yeah. And, you know, you know it's you know, I we had been talking about doing something like this for a long time. And I think, you know, all things considered, you know, the the pandemic started quarantine was going on people had suddenly more time than they knew what to do with and you hear all these stories of people saying well i went into quarantine and i didn't want to just sit around staring at the wall all day so there's people who they baked a bunch of bread or they (laughs) they they worked on (laughs) they worked on puzzles or they hey they they started (laughs) they started a new hobby or they they worked on a skill that they hadn't really uh had time to to dedicate toward and like i know for me uh i did a lot more writing this year uh probably because i had a lot more time on my hands than usual um but and and i know for you 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 definitely let, let me
0: can i i I just want to go through and just let everybody know exactly what I did. Um, you had your phases. I I did. So I think the very beginning of quarantine, I was in my um, my video game phase. I hadn't. I mean, you know me, Zach. I play video games maybe once or twice a year, um, right. and I'll do like maybe one or two games. So I played a video game this year. I played two. I played Fallout uh, seventy six. and played it with you when they mm-hmm. started uploading and made it, making it all great. I played Breath of the Wild for the first time. Super great games. I, I really. Appreciated them. Uh I took a lot of time for myself personally to, you know, uh just assess my health. Um and you know, I, I did a great job. Um and also kind of assess my eating habits and I, I became quite the home chef and, and baker. I you know how many loaves of bread I have baked this year? <laughs> so uh, quite, many loaves. <laughs> yeah. I it was just, it, but what a great experience it was like my last name's Kitchen, God damn it. You know, like <laughs> I I've always live up to it. Exactly. I've always been surrounded by such great, you know, chefs and cooks in my family like my, my, all my parents, my mother, my father, my stepfather, uh, not my stepmother, uh, except come Thanksgiving time. Um, my dad likes to complain. It, <laughs> <laughs> um, sorry, Kathy. I love you. But it's just, I, I, th- I thought that's a skill I really wanted. Yeah. I got to work on writing, got to kind of focus on, on just developing shorts and other projects. Uh, I my, unfortunately for me, uh, I was one of the, the many that whose work was displaced. Um, as a kind of newbie to the war, the full time world of freelance production and things like that, I had a really great you know end of the year last year and beginning into this year, and then you know a lot of the stuff kind of dried up. Uh, but now you know because of all this, I was able to, to focus on some passions and you know really really get get my head together and, you know, Zach, thanks to you, we were, you know, we were also able to make this happen. Such a big part of this. Um, So, yeah, I
1: I think, I think part of me, you know, really wanted that like, not that, you know, ideally we shouldn't have had to have any quarantine, you know, if things had been handled in a different manner, uh, you know, this might've come about in a much different way, but you know, Having events, events having played out as they did, I'm glad that going forward I can say, well, yes, when the quarantine happened, I didn't just stare at a wall all day. Uh, I I have something to show for
0: it. Uh, yeah, I know, I, we, I agree.
1: We have this podcast now, um, and however many listeners we have or ever get, it's still it's just you know I can look back on like this time of quarantine of. COVID and be like, yeah, it's it's you know that this may have been a very, you know, dark time for the country, but you know, at least something came out of it.
0: That's true. You know, I there was a sentiment I left my family at the, the Thanksgiving table that I want to share here. Something I saw, it was um it was, you know, 2020 might have been the year that we thought, you know, we were all going to get everything we ever wanted, but it ended up being that it was the year we would learn to appreciate everything that we have. Yeah. You know,
1: it's, it's a good way to look at it.
0: And, and, you know, I got to say, like, I, I really, I love that we took this adventure uh, together hand in hand. And, and now we're, we're pressing forward and we have so many great things planned for you. Lovely listeners. Yeah. Uh, Maybe that's what we should call our, our audience, Zach. Lovely listeners. I feel like that's taken by some, someone else.
1: We'll, we'll figure out what our audience is called. But, I mean, yeah, 2021 is going to be a fun year. I'm already, like, I've already had, like, the gears turning on, like, you know, things that are, are coming up in 2021. Obviously, I think, uh, I don't want to uh, make any bold claims, but I think we've both uh, agreed that our first episode back in 2021 will be touching on um, uh, Wonder Woman 84, 84, 88? I think it's 84, right?
0: The Wonder Woman 2, the sequel to the... Wonder Woman
1: 84, uh, which will be coming out uh, on Christmas Day, so in the interim between when this uh, episode is done and the next one. So that's what we really want to come up with and then uh, come back with, excuse me, and then follow it up with maybe a look into 2021 at some of the big uh, movies coming out. But I know, just knowing, like, you know, certain you know, things I wanna talk I wanna cover more of uh Korra. I have a lot to say about season two. I wanna talk Fargo because we you know we We, we just covered finished the se- season. We covered yeah, we just finished season four, but we talked uh, season one. Season two is my favorite season of Fargo. Um Lord of the Rings is going to be celebrating its twenty year uh anniversary of the the fellowship of the ring uh, Game of Thrones is going to have its uh, 10-year anniversary of its first season. So, like, there's so much to cover. Yeah. Uh, so, 2021... Well, we, we're going to be
0: very busy bees uh, it, for everyone out there listening. It's, it's going to be great. Not to mention, I still have a lot of Star Wars opinions that need to get out. And there's been a lot of news regarding things that I don't agree with that I, I would like to talk about. Yes. I'm going to give them everything time for things to settle and for me to look at the pile of dust and ashes that they leave behind us, <laughs> and and so we can really decide uh, what we think before I go and and start spitting my opinion out into your ears. Um, don't spit I,
1: in people's ears, please.
0: Yeah, I know. I'm uh, listen. I'm I'm I don't like myself a wet will either, so I I wouldn't <laughs> I wouldn't dare give it to anybody else. Um, so but you know, that's just. Uh, we, we're looking forward to it. Um, this break will be nice for us to kind of, you know, give us time to, to be with our thoughts, be with our friends, our family, uh, virtually or in our households uh, and celebrate uh, a lovely time. Zach, uh, this is your birthday week, buddy. And I want to say, you know, everybody who's been listening since day one has heard it. Uh, but, you know, from all yeah, of us, <laughs> uh, uh, the audience and, and, production side of, of script or screen uh, happy birthday man thank i know you. it's a big one it's, oh, it's... don't say it <laughs> <laughs> i've already but, said it in the past but let me know realistically happy birthday and happy hanukkah you know thank you
1: yes to all of our listeners uh happy holidays happy happy hanukkah that's coming up i think this episode uh, yeah uh, the, the week of hanukkah as we like... are recording this the day before hanukkah starts oh actually um, yeah it's
0: today that's, that's <laughs> or well, tonight tomorrow 20 in 20 minutes from now
1: uh yeah well and then <laughs> um and so yeah but yeah happy hanukkah merry christmas uh happy kwanzaa whatever you celebrate festivus um and also happy new year ha- happy new year happy 2021 20,
0: uh, please we- uh look out for all script to screen updates and news on our social medias and other pages once again it's it's www.scriptorscreen.com is our website or you can find us at Screen on facebook youtube instagram and twitter uh thank you all once again for a lovely first season my name is christopher kitchen
1: i'm zach strachman
0: have a wonderful rest of the year and enjoy yourselves be good to one another bye